Thank you for joining us today. My name is Devin Cohen. I'm a healthcare partner at Ropes and Gray, and with me today is Andrew O'Connor, a partner in Ropes Litigation and Enforcement Group. Now, today we'll be discussing the Strategic Plan for Oversight and Managed Care for Medicare and Medicaid, issued by the HHS Office of Inspector General. We're going to focus on OIG's compliance priorities for Medicare Advantage plans and how the strategic plan implicates regulatory and enforcement developments in the managed care space more broadly. There's a lot to discuss on this topic, so this will be a two-part series. Let's get into it. So in August of this past year, the Office of the Inspector General issued the strategic plan and identified OIG's compliance expectations and priorities for Medicare Advantage organizations, providers, and related industry stakeholders. Although the OIG and others have previously highlighted many of the same risk areas, the strategic plan systematically outlines OIG's concerns and signals a more proactive and assertive role in policing compliance with Medicare and Medicaid managed care standards. Now, the strategic plan follows several years of heightened scrutiny by the Department of Justice in the Medicare Advantage space as well. Thanks for that introduction, Devin. Uh, specifically, the strategic plan identifies the life cycle of a managed care plan and the corresponding risk areas. And that life cycle is broken down into four stages in OIG's guidance, uh, corresponding to the MAO's performance year to provide a roadmap for understanding the types of issues and the potential oversight areas that may warrant compliant focus. And those four stages in OIG's view begin with first, the establishment and contracting phase, second, enrollment, third, the payment phase, and finally, the provision of services. Now, the first stage we'll touch on is plan establishment or contracting phase. And it's during this stage of the, of the life cycle that CMS enters into contracts with Medicare Advantage organizations uh, about providing coverage uh, to Medicare beneficiaries. And that process includes setting up the benefit design and the establishment of the plan service area, as well as providing in-depth information as part of plan bids. And OIG here warns both about making sure that accurate information is provided during these plans and also about ensuring in later phases that all the representations made during the establishment phase are actually adhered to. OIG suggests the plans should focus their compliance efforts during this phase on the review of the contracts that are being set up, as well as the, the benefit designs, and, and critically, uh, the accuracy and integrity of the information that's being presented in plan bids. That's right. And, and this is advice that I think harkens back to a 2020 settlement for uh, over $200 million uh, with Keystone Health Plan, right? There, the government intervened and focused on incorrect financial plan bids submitted to CMS by Keystone. Those resultingly alleged in more than $20 million in inflated premiums being paid out to Keystone Health Plan and an affiliate. Yeah, that's right, Devin. In, in that action, I think the government was alleging that Keystone incorrectly calculated its actual prior costs in the financial plan um, that they submitted to HHS. And it, the, the the plan actually, according to the government at least, inflated prior cost data. And that resulted in a higher base amount uh, for, for Keystone, allegedly. And, and in CMS's view, that inflated the reimbursement that Keystone received over time. And the government in those cases contended that 
those those statements resulted in in false claims um, under the False Claims Act. And this enforcement action, I think, is one of the, the prime examples of what OIG has in mind when it talks about deterring misconduct in, in this first phase of the MAO life cycle. I think that's right. And that that brings us right into the second phase with the managed care plans life cycle, right? The beneficiary enrollment phase. Now here, Medicare Advantage plans, they often engage in marketing programs and media campaigns to attract enrollees across the enrollment process as, as is pretty standard. Um, but the marketing programs and media campaigns can be where plans run into trouble. The OIG identified concerns consistent with prior reports, with plans either directly engaging in false or misleading advertising or contracting with third parties to boost enrollment at times without sufficient oversight. Now, to ensure beneficiaries are protected against deceptive tactics, the OIG suggests that MAOs focus compliance efforts on monitoring marketing, agent, and broker activities. Now, this is not the first time OIG has raised concerns about MA marketing tactics. Now, early in the pandemic, CMS saw a substantial uptick in plans use of third-party marketing organizations with just south of 15,500 complaints related to marketing in 2020 to just under 40,000 in 2021. As a result, in April of this past year, CMS finalized a rule adding a new requirement for TPMOs and the Medicare Advantage and Part D plans that engage TPMOs. Now, those plans must institute internal safeguards to directly oversee TPMO activities, including requirements that TPMOs submit marketing materials for approval by the plan, then directly to CMS following such approval. Separately, ensuring that TPMOs adequately disclose their relationships with the plans. And finally, plan standards regarding call recordings, oversight, and auditing. Yeah, Devin, I think the final rule is really consistent with what we've seen from CMS and, and DOJ in terms of their focus on compensation arrangements with third-party marketers. And one of the concerns on the government side of things is that these marketers are, are potentially interacting directly with, with patients and are in a position to influence them. And I, I do think this is an area where we'll see continued government scrutiny, both from CMS and the DOJ. No, that's right, Andrew. And while the new rule focused largely on compliance with, say, Medicare marketing guidelines, it does show where CMS and DOJ are may hone in on next. In the Medicare Advantage space, DOJ has increasingly scrutinized how first-tier downstream and related entities, or FDRs, identify beneficiaries requiring services, and then how they're compensated for facilitating those services. The new final rule really aims at FDRs for purposes of DOJ enforcement, particularly in the area of risk adjustments. And as risk adjustments have the potential to increase payments to plans, this is not uncharted territory for purposes of False Claims Act liability. We can think of DXID, a data analytics vendor that was a part of a settlement with DOJ in September of 21 for allegedly data mining plan records to identify which should be reviewed for sufficient HCC capture. And there, DXID was paid by the plan for a contingency fee of up to 20% of what the plan received based upon the resulting captured diagnosis, really lining up what, what DOJ focused on as a perverse financial incentive to drive risk scores. Yeah, Devin, and an even more recent update uh, having to do with CMS focus on relationships with third parties. In November 2023, CMS issued a proposed rule that would impose guardrails around compensation paid to agents and brokers. Now, historically, 
CMS regulations had capped broker and agent compensation for enrollment-related activities, but it expressly permitted additional compensation for uh, administrative services. And it actually said right in the regulation that those administrative fees could be based on a per-enrollment basis. Um, now, in response to concerns about um, potential steering, for example, um, CMS has proposed this new uh, rule that would really try to fix the amount that MAOs can pay agents or brokers for both enrollment and non-enrollment services. In particular, the proposal is is looking to ensure that uh, that that all compensation that brokers and agents are receiving is wrapped up in in the definition that the agency seems to to want to cap. To, to prevent what it sees as as an end run that's that's currently allowed, um, we would argue under the current uh, regulatory language. So stay tuned for more focus on enforcement around uh, potential relationships between MAOs on the one hand and brokers and agents or the people interacting with the patients uh, on the other. This, this won't be the last we hear of that, but we will we will be moving on to the remaining stages of the life cycle um, on our next podcast. Thank you all for joining us today. If you did find our conversation enlightening, please do join us on our next phase for closing out the managed care life cycle of Andrew and I, as well as the rest of Ropes and Gray's podcasts. They're must listen. You can subscribe now to stay informed. Listen to other Ropes and Gray podcasts wherever you regularly listen to your podcasts. Thanks again for listening.